Good evening all, welcome along to the latest edition of the Endless Celts podcast. Hope you're all well, hope you've had a good weekend. Hope all your trampolines are still intact in the back garden and no three villages along. <laughs> um, I'll be your host tonight, and I, Willie. So before we jump into that, before we jump into all things Celtic and introduce you to the guys, here's just a wee sneak peek about what we're going to discuss tonight. All things currently Celtic we'll be discussing tonight. Just uh, in the chat here, I'm just want to bring up a few. Pam, hail, hail. Hope you're hope you're well as usual. Um, everybody's saying hi and Gaddafi Semtex saying get a fucking psycho signed. <laughs> it's all started already. Here we go. Uh, Alistair's in evening. Alistair Joe Hart, CSC hosting tonight. Not quite. Just like to defend them more than more than uh, Game of Pacing and Jed's in as well. A lot of the other boys for the podcasting as well. So, evening. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. I've been stitched up here tonight hosting, and I've got two Anthony's. What's happening here? This is this is going to go. <laughs> Pete, Tom, Tony, Tony, Tony. I always that, called you Tony anyway, mate. So, uh, how you been? It was Tony's birthday yesterday, everybody, and it seems like you had a bit of celebration. So, how you been? How was your weekend? Hi, all right, son. It was uh, aye, very good. As I say, spoiled rotten with the family as always, but uh, I got a nice wee birthday present for the Celts as well. So, aye, it was really good and uh, plenty beers to celebrate as well. So, all good in the hood. Ideal, superb. Anthony, how are you? How was your weekend? I not too bad. Likewise, we we Tony there, no birthday, but always a good one to uh, to watch Celtic and get a good victory and a goal. Uh, no beers last night, but a wee brew. Oh, if you're beer tonight. Nice, nice. Uh, I needed to heat you up in this bloody weather. It's been rotten. But uh, oh, before we before we dive into the uh, topics, just get a super six up. Let everybody know how we're getting on. Alistair Jack is now top of the league. Uh, pulling ahead of Kieran Gilhooly, who's he's been top pretty much most of the season. So, well done, Alistair. Uh, Mark Robertson's Stephen Coulthard's up there as well. Winner for last year, Tony. You're right in there. Joe Finlay, then Ryan Taylor, Kevin Hampsey, Franny, and I can't actually see that bottom one. But <laughs> uh, well done, all involved. So, Celtic are back. Thank God. I don't know about you, but it felt like it was about six months we were missing them. Uh, and back with a bang, uh, Anthony. How did you feel the game? Just a quick wee summary. We're going to delve in uh, to the goals and 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 in depth in the match anyway. But quick wee summary was it how you expected? Uh, how you expected it would go? Pretty much, yeah. Um, typical kind of Celtic game, isn't it? When you you get a few goals in the first half, things are going as expected as you would really expect against Bucky Thistle. Absolutely no disrespect. But then the second half, we kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit, just that one goal early on, then it was pretty quiet. Um, but much like Rogers has already done on behalf of the club itself anyway, all respect to Bucky Thistle. They came and they gave it Aye, a absolutely. Aye. And did you what did you think about the starting lineup? Were you surprised that we went so strong or do you think because we had the break that he would go strong anyway? A little bit. We all kind of obviously topics that are going to come up as we, we know we guys like Rocco Batter getting a, an inclusion. Aye. 
kind of half expected they might have started because of the way the talk was going for a day or two beforehand. But he didn't. He went for as strong as possible, um, which is good to see. Normally you could see a few changes, but it's good to see that we took it seriously. From our own side, fitness, gelling of the squad and all that kind of stuff. But also, again, back to Bucky Thistle. We didn't take them lightly. We gave them a proper opportunity. Aye. And again, they took the game to us whenever they could. Absolutely. Tony, mate, yourself as well. A bit of quick summary. Did you think it was a bit... It was... A lot of people are saying it's just going to be a training match, but like Anthony just said there, that Bucky came and, and gave us a all and a top respect for them. Oh, but absolutely, mate. And obviously, I think Brendan kind of said that in his post-match presser as well. You know, it was their cup final for them and they brought a brilliant um, support down, especially when you consider the you know what the weather's been like as well. Um, and they, they obviously, there's a, the golfing class is absolutely huge, but they, they more than, you know, you know they, they played their part in what was a, you know, a, you know, a cup tie that will, you know, go down in terms of the gap between the two sides, but that will hopefully do them in good stead for for years to come in terms of you know finance and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah. was quite quite. I, I did imagine that we were going to go pretty strong and start just for the fact that we've not played for three weeks and it's just kind of getting boys back up to speed. Um, but I was you kind of just always assume that Cal Mac's going to play, but um, obviously he wasn't involved yesterday. But you know he's. It's, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you know he's played so many games um, in the last few seasons that it's, you know it's good to try and get let him get a rest when when possible. Um, but I, as as I say, it was as Anthony says a, a pretty run of the mill home tie in the Scottish Cup against lower league um, opposition. They came, they they competed um, as best they could, but when the you know, as time wore on, obviously there were three goals to the good at half time. Um, possibly could have been more, and it was the same in the second half as well. But um, yeah, five 0 no injury worries um, on the back of it, so can't complain. Aye, absolutely, mate. Is that still see that when you're talking about the finances for Bucky? Is it still the case that they get half of all the allocation price or what the ticket prices, whatever? Mm-hmm. Is they get actually half of the stadium now, rather than just their support? I think I, I think always I, I was I under the impression that it was fifty percent, but I, I might be wrong in that. Aye, aye. No, I, well, listen, they deserve everything and all the plaudits that come their way because they definitely came, uh, came at us. Anthony, do you think that? Well, obviously, we're going to we're going to go and touch on each goal individually anyway, and going a bit in depth on what's going on. But obviously, a lot of the a lot of our uh, good chances came from getting in behind down the wings. Were you surprised to see Bucky play that high line against us? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but again, as the game went on, you kind of understood that they weren't they weren't sitting there to to be hammered and be beaten. They they wanted to to experience the occasion and see how they could match up. Obviously, as Tony says, the golfing class was way beyond uh, their abilities in that sense. But yeah, it, it was a surprise at first, but it was nice to see. A, it was really nice to see us taking advantage of it. I mean, the amount of offsides was unbelievable at times. But it was brilliant to see <laughs> that we were utilising that space. I and mean, you're seeing a, the likes of Abada coming back in after his long time out and seeing what he brings to the team again, especially to Kyogo and yep. what the future for the next few months Aye. could be. That was that was good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And like as much as um, I'm talking about, I'm playing a high line and it might not have worked for... Obviously, a few of the goals, like you said yourself, there was four or five offside decisions there, so it did work in in, in some regard. But uh, Tony, the first goal, Matt O'Reilly yet again finds that pass. He just kind of sees runs that maybe some others don't, and especially well in our league, absolutely he sees things that, that other players don't. And uh, a lovely run for Bernardo. And what was your just summarise the goal, Bernardo again getting in and getting amongst the goals, and he, he's on a wee run of form, the purple patch. So we should say. <laughs> he certainly is, man. It's just he's like he's having his own personal goal of the season competition. Um, but no, it was absolutely brilliant, mate. Like you say, Matt O'Reilly's just in great bit of form um this season. I think he's at the moment shoe in for, for player of the year so far for me, but it's lovely through ball. And um yeah, Bernardo just seems to pick up where he left off um at the tail end of last month. Just lovely wee chip over the keeper and uh, kind of got things rolling. But as I say, Riley's just Totally agree with you, and a class of his own at the moment. Aye, aye, sure is. It was not too dissimilar, uh, Anthony, to... It reminded me a wee bit of the goal 
uh, Ibrox that Jota scored with the ball through and he's kind of dinked it over the keeper slightly. But uh, what do you what did you make of the goal? O'Reilly magic again, but also Bernardo's form's been um, excellent, isn't it? I know we're not going to judge the, the the team on a performance against Bucky Thistle, but um, his recent form's been really good. It has, and it's as you say, we can't we can't overly judge against a team like Bucky Thistle, but when you see a player like Bernardo continuing his form from the last few games into this after a little bit of a break, and he's linking up so well with the likes of Matt O'Reilly, especially with Carmack out the team, the one-twos that they were doing going into that final third, laying each other off, it was really nice to see, and it's nice. To, it's, it's probably the best thing we could have done yesterday was seeing those moments of gelling between players, getting a bad at fitness as well, but especially between those two, it was really nice to see, and you can you can appreciate what Bernardo's going to bring to the side going into these last few months as well. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, just move on, and we're just going to go through all the goals first of all. And the next goal was um, obviously Thiago home. Uh, I was really pleased to see him start. I've really liked what I've seen of him whenever he has games. He looks very good technically to me. Anthony, I'll just come straight back to you. Um, were you pleased to see him get some game time? And, and how did you? What did you think of his performance? I'm, it's, it's, see, when I seen that midfield three, I was trying to think who would play the six, and he was the the, the obvious one. But how do you, how do you think he fared? I think he did well. Uh, again, got to reiterate, the, the level of opposition was not exactly strenuous, but again, they brought the game to him and he, he coped fairly well. He, he he gelled with the other two in the midfield. He linked up with the wide men as well. And I think he took his goal extremely well. Um, doesn't matter what your opposition is, you still need to take the, the composure and the skill into that. And he did really well with it. Uh, well-deserved goal, well-deserved uh start that he needed and hopefully again another player who can kick on yeah i hope so i mean it's difficult tony to get in at that midfield three isn't it um i don't think bernardo would have been getting a sniff if Fatati was fit all season mm-hmm. uh, but he's came in and taken his chance and uh i know like i like i say we're not going to judge on the opposition that we played but home's not going to have done his chances any it's not going to done them any harm by uh that performance yesterday and, and what a finish as well Oh, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Great little, you know, you know, short one twos, etc. And they always look quite better when they go in off the off the post as well, or off a crossbar or whatever. But yeah, great little bit of play, mate. And um, you know, just took Bucky through, you know, we ripped, ripped him out the fence to shreds. Um, but yeah, like you say, obviously, your your main three um is probably still when everybody's fit is McGregor, um, Hatati, and O'Reilly. So the likes of your Bernardos, your Holmes, your Turnbulls, you know, they've got to try and just take the chances that they get when they come along. And to, to, to all their credits, really, when they have been getting a, a chance, they have been they have been taking them in home. Like you say, it was it was no exception yesterday. It was it was it, it, as Anthony says, you can't take too much into it with given the, the level of opposition, but he he had a nice tidy game, you know, that, that not nothing uh, too crazy. And top to all off, we are finished. So yeah, that's a good day at the office for him. Yeah, absolutely. And we're like we're talking about these guys now. Um, now that they're getting a bit of run, and we, we we seem to be starting to. Well, I think we seem to be starting to sort of mould into Rogers' um, philosophy. And Tony, I'll just come straight back to you, just because you're, you're, we were talking about home, and we've obviously touched on Bernardo and how he's been coming on to a game as well. Does this mean that the 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 window wasn't as much a disaster as everybody <laughs> seems to think. Mm. These guys are now starting to show what they're worth. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think there's always... I, I just think it's the world we live in now, mate, but everything's, everything can't just be medium. Everything's always a disaster or, you know, or, or, or world beaters, you know, the, the, and the truth's always somewhere in between. It, it wasn't the... You know, the Best one, no, I mean, even Brendan himself admitted that he, there was maybe one or two other different types of players. But as I say, I think some of the reaction to it's been, you know, over the top. And I, I, I do think that um, home, especially, is the type of player that will learn a lot under um, Rogers. So, yeah, I suppose in terms he still fits under that kind of project umbrella, but he looks like a project that seems to be coming along uh, nicely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was. Um, so you know, delight we've got him in, and he's um, you know, he's impressing when he's getting the opportunities at the minute. So long may that continue, mate. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, 
The third goal, Anthony, I'm going to come to you because you, you've already touched on it and I wanted to make a point about it. Um, Kyogo's goal and Abada's great ball and he's he, he seemed to try that pass several times throughout the match and um, if he didn't find Kyogo, he wasn't far away. So it seems like that telepathy's back as soon as Abada's came in and, and it's never left. What did you make of the goal, first of all, but especially they two and how they combined throughout the match? It was really, again... Really refreshing to see it come back into action. Um, Kyle's took the goal really well. It's almost almost in his stride sort of thing. But you see, he's, they've kind of fallen back into that as if it's never went away for them. And I think it plays together for them really quite well. If you add Palmer on the left side, not the exact same as Bader, but a lot more a lot more direct, a bit more kind of pacey balls on him than what Maeda yep. can bring. So I think that those two on either side of Kyle will it's probably going to work in Kyogo's favour. And if you think about the the criticism that Kyogo's had this season so far, that he's played out of position, he's not playing the same role that he was last season sort of thing, he's also not had the same service. He's had to come deep because the ball from Abada isn't there. But now it might actually be there again now that Abada's back to full fitness. So hopefully we see that progress again going into the second half of the season. We see a lot more... Of Kyogo. I say that Kyogo was only a couple of goals short of his tally this time last season, sort of thing. Um, he's not far off the same numbers, but hopefully it just rejuvenates the, the attacking line going forward. And as I say that, just to touch on the midfielders, we we're talking about them a minute ago. It's this is a compliment I'm going to give, even though I really think that this transfer window is really shocking right now and we need to do so much better. But it's nice that you can actually start to see two, two sets of three in that midfield, isn't it? That you can yeah. look at Hitati, McGregor, and O'Reilly. We're all content with that. We all think that's a solid, strong midfield three. But we're starting to see home a water even at times and Bernardo. That also looks like a a nice, interesting three that can challenge the first three. So it's good to see that happening. Let's get rid of some of the deadwood. But it's nice to see that building a little bit and hopefully, yeah. as you say, start to see the the Mother Rogers kind of side forming now. Yeah, absolutely. You make great points about um, that ball in that Abada plays. Anthony, is, is, do you think that he's suffered? Because that's not Maeda's game at all either. And um, do you think he's suffered for that? And because Palmer just never, he's never playing that ball in the left either. He's always cutting back inside and playing that ball. And I mean, obviously he's got a couple of assists with Kyogre this year. Um, but just to come back to you, do you think that, that that's your point that he's suffering because he's not got that that delivery that he's he's been getting Palmer for me it's, it's my biggest frustration. I think he's a good good player, but the fact that he just never hits that line, I, I just think he's Kyogo suffers so much because of that. I think he slows down play and comes back inside far too much for me. He does, but I like Pal. Like you're saying, I do like him as well, and he's different from a badder, much more like Jota, but for me, not quite at the same level just now. But he offers something different. He won't come down and drill it in with his left foot like a bad does with his right side, but he's likely to cut in and have that cheeky shot off. And it's the ball that can lay out then to Kyogo for the, the, the kind of second ball, the kind of latching onto the end of it. When it's Maeda coming down the left, absolutely no offense to him. I prefer seeing Maeda go straight through the middle. And most of the time, when he is dangerous, it's when he happens to have floated into the middle for some reason and he yeah. finds his goals usually. But Maeda is a winger useless in my opinion to to try not to be too harsh but he can't cross the ball to save himself no, I, get that. I get that mate uh, Tony what's what's your thoughts on what Anthony's saying there you, is it something you agree with how do you and also how do you think like Kyogo and Abada performed yesterday together um and you think it's a fair point about you know the delivery and and how Kyogo's been this year with, with the two guys it's obviously mostly been uh Palma um and then well I mean, Maeda's been out for a wee bit as well, but even the likes of Mikey Johnson and all the rest of it. So do you yeah. think that's a fair point being made? Yeah, but I, absolutely. And I think, um, obviously, Abada, he's been there. Him and Kyogo signed in the same transfer window, you know, so that, that relationship's already kind of been developed. And obviously, like, Anthony's bang on. Kyogo has been having to learn with different, you know, different types of players. Um, Palma, um as, as you guys say, I'm I, I'm a big fan of his as well. I like his his cutting inside sort of manner. Is but there is just the odd time you're like, ah, you've got all the skill in the world, pal. Go and just you know take a boy down the outside. He's not blessed with oh. more than enough for me that 
they can, you know, still beat a man. But um, but yeah, it's just maybe that we just don't know. Maybe that's the way he's been instructed to play by by Brendan as well, because obviously Taylor seems to, you know, be be, be still happy to go around the, the back, even though we think his best position is the the kind of more inverted role. Definitely, there's been games that I've been at this season where he has been sort of trying to do the overlap. He's obviously not going to do it to the same kind of levels that you know perhaps a, a Kieran Tierney or that did before. But as it's all I can say, Kyogo has been having to adapt to you know different players, um, especially when Maeda's been out as well. And like you say, Mikey, you know, certainly blows hot and cold, and that's you know to, to, to be as generous as I can be, but. Um, yeah, great having a bad back for the, the second half of the season. And obviously we've got um Nicholas Kuhn to come in as well. So lots of different options on on out on, on the wings now. And that's obviously what we love to see at Celtic. You know, it's you know part of our DNA, you know, exciting wingers each side and yep. you know, getting plenty of service for the strikers up front. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're gonna go on to the next goal, which obviously Palmer scored, but I'm just gonna go into the, the comments because there's a bit uh, there's a bit about Palmer from everybody. Stephen, even then, mate, says that uh, the Bucky Thistle left back had Palmer all game. Yeah, he scored, but it wasn't great for him. Uh, Jed says that uh, Palmer's first touch was poor. Uh, what else we got about Palmer? AR uh, says Palmer's teeth and hair didn't like the weather. Uh, Alistair says that Palmer's stats are amazing. So I, th- I think I think it's fair to say that he does kind of. I don't know if splitting the supports the right the right term to use because he kind of splits us all in our heads. We're all we all we all say in one breath that he's good and he's st- his his numbers are great and but th- there's definitely a lot to work on. Um Anthony and what Tony was saying there about how he kind of plays on the left and Greg Taylor's this inverted fullback that kills me inside that we've got it seems like we've got no width on that side because nobody's hitting that byline. Um but when Palmer scored his goal uh, he was on the right-hand side uh, and cut in and got a, a good shot away with his left. So, Anthony, what did you make his, his goal? And what's your thoughts on that? Also, like, Greg Taylor's playing that inverted fullback. Does, would Palmer maybe shoot better being on the right, considering his delivery? I know he can cut in and shoot for the left, but I mean, I, I remember we used to have um, this debate about Jota all the time, mm-hmm. about whether he's better on the left or the right. And it's similar with Palmer, I think. What's your thoughts? Uh, he's better on the left. Um, Joe was always better on the left as well. Uh, shoehorning him onto the right side when guys like Abad are injured and stuff. I can understand it in fair play, but the the more natural and better on the left side. Um, Palmer's goal was, again, lovely taken. Um, Kyle, though, opposition aside, you still need to strike that ball very well. When it comes to Taylor, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, thinking... We do all do appreciate he plays better as an inverted fullback. Uh, Alistair Johnson played better last season under Ange, the way he was deployed, just slight changes. We're seeing the, for lack of a better term, the deficiencies within Taylor's game. But when you think about what Tony was saying there as well, when Taylor's been playing with Maeda in front of him, he's not had that opportunity to do the overlapping fullback thing because Maeda is Maeda. He's not a true winger. He doesn't provide that support on the width in the same way that a Palmer or a Jota would. But see if we're going to keep position with Palmer on the left, and we have a nice sided, a nice side on the right with Kuhn and Abada, perhaps. Then you could see more of Taylor doing the overlapping thing, which he actually is quite good at, getting to the byline himself to provide a little bit of an out ball when. Perhaps Palmer tries to cut in and he's, he's faced up with two or three defenders. You've got Taylor there who can collect the ball for him. He's able to do that probably a bit. Maybe we might see more of Taylor. And in the group chat today, obviously, I'm not a fan of Taylor really at all. And we need better left back. But it doesn't look like we're doing much in that transfer activity there. So maybe trying to think it through for the rest of the season. Could we see more from Taylor because of a more balanced front line and a more natural winger? On each side. Um, Estepona boys saying that Palma is an eight or a ten, not a winger. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different um, ideas on what what Palma could be for the for the team. But Tony, what's what's your thoughts? Do you think he could he could play out in the right? And what what, what did you make his performance and his goal yesterday? Uh, yeah. As we were kind of saying, um, 
you know, he's, it was one of the days where you can't really judge anyone whether they had like a you know a brilliant game or not because it, the golfing class between the two sides is so vast. Um, I do yeah. take Jed's point on board about the fact, you no, know, he's a couple of times his first touch let him down. You maybe just at the time just putting that down to the fact that they've not really played any um, football for the last few weeks, but um, hopefully that'll you know all start picking up again. Um, but I, I, I personally at the moment prefer him on the left, but ironically, like you say, yesterday um, that was possibly the pick of the goals coming in off the right hand side, and obviously he had. Him and Maeda had temporarily switched um, in the home game against Atletico and when he scored that absolutely fantastic goal, he put us 2-1 up again. Yeah. Both good for the right, so there's definitely, um, he's got a lot to offer out on that side as well. I'd kind of said that, you know, back when we done the opening show, um, opening day of the season, when we were talking about, you know, where are we going to you know, play all of these players? And, you know, Ange was quite fond of doing that as well, swapping the, it was well, used to be obviously Maeda and Jota. They used to kind of alternate James Forrest as well and the you know the brief appearances he made um that can go both sides. But changing even during the match as well, you know, get, get making sure that the opposition defenders don't necessarily know what's coming next. And um obviously Kuhn um, that we've that we've signed um has got the he can do both sides as well. So you might see that 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 they could alternate during the same game um, yep. multiple times as well mate. but as, as Anthony says at the moment he's he, until we, we at least until Kuhn gets up to um, speed um, barring no other injuries or, or whatever I dare say that he'll um, certainly be featuring more for the left as we're, as we're used to seeing than, than the right but it's great to know that that option's there if, um, if needed Absolutely it seems like we've got a bit of plethora of talent on the wings now I know we've not been uh, blessed so much this season because we've had to to drop down to the likes of Mikey Johnson and and the rest. But I mean, Abada coming back is like a new signing for us. I know people hate that term, but he's been out all season and he was. He, I I think he's a, I think he's a great talent and he's. I I think if he's fully fit all season, in fact, I would probably say if he stays fully fit between now and the end of the season and gets a run of games, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, sat not far behind Kyogo as a, as one of our top goal scorers because he's got an eye for goal. Also, and uh, talking of Mikey Johnson, Paul McFarlane um, says he's now a world beater after nutmegging a farmer in the Bucky game. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to touch on that again now, uh, Tony. Straight back to you, mm-hmm. Mikey Johnson. Uh, <laughs> he, he does well in the wing. Uh, and the man we're going to touch on later on, Rocco Vata, um, mm-hmm. in the right place. Good movement and, and gets his goal. Yeah, really much so. And- I think I'd, I don't know if you don't call it the commentator's curse because you know it's obviously working in our favour. But I have noticed, so obviously when he came on, he scored against Dundee as well, and he, you know did okay in stages against St Mirren as well. But um, it seems to be the last few weeks. Any time I've kind of had my hands with, oh no, here's Mikey coming on the um, off the bench. He actually has made a bit of contribution, so <laughs> I might just keep doing it um, if, he, if he's still going to be featuring. But um, yeah, good wee bit of skill, you know, left the boy for, for dead and um, put the ball in that dangerous area, goalkeeper and defender. And, the, you know, it's really, really difficult for, for any of them to really put up any kind of defence against it, mate. And obviously, we're going to touch on Rocco Vata um, shortly. But yeah, but I think um, all you can do is is be there and, you know, ho- hopefully the, the, the ball will come to you. You got yourself in the right position and, and took his goal well. And um yeah, so I think that was a great thing as well. We we started with a strong team, which is a, I think was a, the correct thing to do. But there were obviously a few boys that you know weren't regulars. But, um, but it was great seeing the, the ones that are returning players like your Abadas, um, you know, really contributing from the start. Obviously, the boys making a contribution off the bench as well. So hopefully, we're we're kind of getting back into that scenario where we're going to have a lot more options. You know, we were down to the bare bones. Um, and, and we have been, it was more a defence at the start of the season, but then it's kind of from the autumn up to the winter break, we've been so many boys out injured, um, it's not been funny, but hopefully we're getting back to having a, a full range of options to choose for, um, and that can only do us in good stead. Yeah, absolutely, Anthony, what did you think of Mickey Johnson's contribution? Uh, we'll go into Rocco Vata, but, and, and also, like Tori's saying there, we've obviously, and we're talking about a bad coming back, and we've Kunin, 
Do you think that his uh, minutes are going to be even more limited now? Are we finally going to get to see the, 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 the end of Mikey Johnson, or do you still think he's got a big part to play this season? Uh, I've always <laughs> wanted to see Mikey Johnson do well, but this season I, I gave up with him. He, he's final straw it came months ago with me um if he manages to turn this around i'd be absolutely gobsmacked if he manages to to actually make a bit of a career of it at celtic doing fairly well uh stranger things have happened but again let's not overly judge players against bucky thistle um it was a nice move not making the boy and getting the ball in for for rocco bat for his goal credit was due he did well but it's against bucky thistle let's see him do that you know properly in a and a bigger match when, when they, they kind of there's a lot more pressure on him to do it. Um, <clears throat> give credit to the lad; he never usually shies away. He looks for the ball often. He wants to entertain. He wants to get forward. So he he tries his heart out, but a combination of injuries and just not quite being good enough or not quite being developed enough. I, I think his days are fairly numbered, especially when you start to look at the the other players who are there. When it comes to Rocco Vata, though, um, I've seen it in the comment. I think somewhere people question it a little bit. He was traditionally a winger. I think everybody understood him to be a kind of right yeah. winger player. And when me and Gavin went and seen a, a B squad game uh, last season or two seasons ago, he definitely played off the wing. But this season, he's got 15 goals and 18 games for the B League. Um, he's predominantly, I guess, being played as a striker. That's what he came in for yesterday. There's no doubt and he was came on as a striker to play through the middle. And I think that's where we'll probably see him for the rest of the season if he does continue to get some sort of game time to try and encourage him to perhaps stay a, a bit longer. Um, so I don't think that will hinder Mikey Johnson, but the, the likes of Avada, Kuhn, Maeda, Palmer, that, that's gotta, that, that must be your two left and your two right. Yeah. And after that, you still have Yang and Tilio floating around. So I, I just don't see where Mikey Johnson really gets a proper run out. Yeah, I agree. I think most in the chat as well agree. Alistair comes in and says, Johnson was my cue to leave yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> AR says that the train's been cancelled yesterday. was less of a crowd growing than when Mikey Johnson came on. So I think that's uh, <laughs> everything we need to say about uh, uh, Mikey. James is in saying Mikey found his level yesterday. Um, so you've touched on Rocco Vata there, and uh, we're going to go right into him next. Bit of a U-turn, Ned. I know you put in the chat last week, you were talking about it. Um, so I'll come back to you, straight back to you about him. This sort of U-turn that's happened, it was all over. I don't know, you, you might know better than me, I don't know if it was, if there was any statements out there that, that or it was just paper talking rumours that there was, he was pretty much away to... Italy, um, and then all of a sudden, everybody was shocked to see him in the in the squad yesterday, and and he come on. What's were you shocked yourself to see him in the squad? First of all, what was your what's your thoughts on the the whole saga? I wasn't shocked to see him in the squad. I was shocked a few days earlier when the whole saga started to take another turn. Um, and I guess you probably need to think back to when Rogers started talking about the need for a third striker and the. Uh, maybe there's a youth player sort of thing that needs to step up or what's to that effect they said last week. That was probably the indication because a couple of days later we started hearing that there's an offer on the table still for Rocco Bass sort or of thing. It's kind of like, is he going to take the opportunity to, to sign that? Then the buzz starts to come around that, you know, he might have a U-turn here and to see him in the squad was absolutely no surprise because whatever's happening behind the scenes at Celtic, Something's going on there. Um, is it us? I don't know. From what I understand, the offer's always been on the table for Rocco Vata. His side has said no to it. And I understand, and this is just me hypothesising myself, I understand why he would have said no to signing a contract last summer. Because where is the pathway for young guys? You look at Ben Doak and Morrison and Hepburn and stuff, have all went to Liverpool and Bayern Munich. You look at guys like Hickey and dog who went off to Italy and I know they've came through other systems but there's opportunities abroad for young Scottish talent 18, 19, 20 year olds they can go to these bigger leagues and get a bit of a exposure so when you see how limiting Celtic can be in developing youth talent on a regular basis 
I don't blame some of these guys turning around saying, look, my contract's running out when I'm 19. Why would I sign, you know, until I'm 22, 23 and stifle their own developments? I can see why he's not signed that contract in the summer. I don't understand what's happened between then and now that has meant that he's pretty much not trained until recently with the first team. He's kind of been bombed out, for lack of a better term. Yet all of a sudden the talk has changed this last week or two. And now he's back into the fold. What was really happened? Who decided to bomb him out? Who decided to bring him back in? What's happened there is my big question. Beside all that, great to see him come on yesterday. Great to see him get his goal. And I'm all for giving youth much more of a chance. So seeing him come on and seeing him do reasonably well in his little appearance that he has, I'm all for it. I just, in the bigger picture, which we don't have enough time for tonight, I don't imagine what has gone on behind the scenes. So see, just to come back on you there then, mate, because there's a couple of, in the chat, people are saying, um, as, as you maybe first said, I'll just go run through some of these comments anyway. Uh, evening, mate, thanks for coming. You have loads of comments tonight from yourself. Thanks very much for getting involved. Um, VAT has been brought out of the deep freeze because the board have told Rodgers you ain't getting a new striker. The maestro is saying much the same. Does that mean if VAT is playing as a striker, no striker in the window? That would be folly. Is, do you think that's the case? He's now been, he, he was wanting to leave because he's not getting first team football because, let's face it, He's been on the maybe not on the cusp, isn't the right term? But you know he's been in and out through preseason. So the last few years, it's not. I know he's still a young lad, but it's not just as if this is his first, you know, chance or hurrah in and amongst the first team. So it's, and he obviously wants to go and make a career for himself. Do you, is that maybe a fair point that it doesn't look like we're getting another strike in the window? So we've we've given him assurances that he will have minutes, and that's why there's been this sort of U-turn. To to my cynical side, yeah. That, that yeah. kind of what looks like that um, we probably maybe as we kind of alluded to earlier with with Kuhn coming in maybe it means that Maeda might start going more into the the central role maybe he gets looked at as a third choice. Yeah. All still has come back from the Asian Asian Cups. That's three there. Maybe that is your fourth. A bad can possible film. Maybe we've just started saying look, there's enough to see us through, which I don't think is the right way to, that we should look at this. But maybe the club's decided there's enough to see us through for the rest of the season. Plus, give that a chance. We don't need to sign another striker. It's a wrong opinion in my in my opinion, but it does it does scream of it, doesn't it? Because it does. any talk of a striker, in fact, any talk of any new signing for the rest of this window seems to be really cooled down, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, you're bang on. It's interesting. I think. Um, I think maybe next weekend might be telling if that is on that bench uh, for the for the league game next weekend. Uh, that might be telling as to what might happen in the rest of the window. Um, Stephen says, for me, it reminds me of the Ben Doak situation. Ange gave him a game, but he's still left, and I think Vata will be away. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. If Liverpool come calling, you're gone. I, I, don't, I think that's maybe a bit of a different situation. Pam, as usual, is touting us up and telling everybody to like the video. Thanks very much, Pam. <laughs> Um, this is an interesting one. I'm going to come to you about Vata uh, now, Tony. But end of the road for Turnbull. We're talking about the uh, Anthony's talking about the kind of two midfield threes that were there, and, and Turnbull's not even getting a mention. And it's interesting. We all kind of forget about Turnbull from time to time. And and he's he's at, he's, he's obviously he's been a big part of the, the first half of the season. Um, that's an interesting one as well, actually. Uh, that he didn't play at all yesterday. I don't know if he was injured or he's just out of favour, but we, we all kind of forget about Turnbull, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, normally when he does feature, you know, he's he got on the score sheet um, kind of quite relatively frequently in the autumn, you know, it goes outside yeah. the box as well. He's a very cultured player, Turnbull, but it's just like you say, he's, he's just not been able to, to nail down a regular slot, especially, you know, he's he's got unbelievable competition in, in the positions that he plays in. But um, aye, in terms of Iroko Vata, no, again, I, I don't, as you know, I, I don't particularly like rumours and especially don't like Twitter, but you, you, sometimes you hear enough of the same thing getting repeated that you sometimes think, well, they're, they're, even perhaps if that's not all the facts, that there's perhaps elements of, of truth in it and definitely the, the sort of Stuff that I'd been reading and, and hearing was it was more to do with um, Rocco's dad, um, Rudy. Um, I don't think he necessarily. Uh, there's 
there's there is a, a, a kind of rumour that apparently when Brendan first returned, um, you know, had barely got his his ears in the door, and I think the, the the claim is that Rudy was issuing ultimatums to you know Brendan and the board regarding you know game time etc for his son, and you know he wouldn't be signing a new, a new contract etc. So, like Anthony says, it might well be the case that they've taken the decision not it's not happening. Um, and and I, I I haven't seen enough of him to be able to say or you know he should be in the team more or you know there's a chance there you know she should be the second choice behind Kyogo or, or anything like that. But you can only go with the information we do know for for starters, Willie, and um, you know he's he's featured, he's scored, and you know that's the that's the, the facts of the day. So, but like um, Anthony says, I think Saturday will be very telling to see what the you know what the future is going to be for him. Um, you know, they get. I, I do agree with you. It's different to the. I don't think there was any indication necessarily that Ben Dope was was unhappy or or, or, or or I might be wrong. I don't recall anything about him. You know, refusing point blank to sign a new a new deal or anything like. That. It's just he was obviously well spoke about. You know, he was only sixteen years old and. He was headhunted by Liverpool, and as much as obviously we're all diehard Celtic men, and I, I don't know what Ben's you know background is, if he was a Celtic supporter or not, but when Jurgen Klopp, you know, a, a Liverpool side under Jurgen Klopp, you, you can you can't you, know, you can't really say much about you know the the, the, the yeah. lad going, and by all accounts he's he's kind of pulling up trees down south there as well, and he's getting lots of good reviews. But whenever he does feature, and they, you know they see him as you know a big part of their future, so. You know, good luck to him. So this, for me, it is a different situation. Us, I'd love nothing more than for a young guy to come through the ranks at Celtic and really make the grade because we have had obviously a few over the. You know, obviously Tierney was the main one, but we've also had James Forrest, um, Callum McGregor as as well now. But in terms of a striker, we've not really had that. You know, come through for for years. Um, so if there is somebody in the ranks that you know can come in and be that that player, then all all the better. But yeah, it's definitely um, potentially, you know, it's, it's one of these sagas, as we say, that's taking a lot of twists and turns and it wouldn't surprise me if there's more before even the end of this window, but in the summer to come. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair point about the whole, I mean, we brought some good youth players through, but for, as a striker, it's, it's been a long time. Who was the last one? With Craig Beatty or something like that? That's a Beatty. long time ago. Beatty you might have to go that. Beatty. Beatty. Aye. Aye, it's been a long time. You go back 20-odd years, eh? <laughs> um, know, again, Maloney was more an attacking midfielder, kind of, and then obviously out in the wings as well, wasn't he? Um, you know, he was a great you know, product to our youth system, but yeah, he certainly wasn't a, an out-and-out striker, like you say. This does beg the question, which is, again is, is bigger than the podcast we have tonight, boys, but it still begs the question, what's going on at the academy? Mm-hmm. You look at Lennox Town, you look at, was it Seton Indians that we teamed up with uh, a good 15 years ago now, was it to try and make some sort of La Messiah Academy at Celtic sort of thing where you, the boys had, you know, the football coaching, but they also had the school and kind of scholarship kind of thing going or whatever it was they were trying to call it. When Since that started, I think I think we can look at Forrest and Calmac have technically been products of it, but probably early enough in it that they were going to come through anyway. But mm-hmm. since that started, really, you can only look at Kieran yeah. You could maybe argue Ralston and Welsh, but at the same time, we'd all sit here and probably agree with each other that they're not quite good enough. Yeah. Um, no offence to them, but for the level that we want to be, they're not good enough. What is the academy doing, really? Yeah. Because it is a slow... That's, it must be a good 15 years that's mm-hmm. been up and running. But 2007, 2008? Yeah, yeah 2007. not producing much at all. Yeah. I reckon that would be a great... That, that would take a full podcast up, but I reckon that'd be that great would be. To, to, I'm going to end that question there because I don't want to go down that. Delve in and, and discussing that because uh, it's an interesting point, and I think that's a fair argument about what's going on there because a lot of people kind of shout and rave about the point of why why aren't we playing the youngsters? And I think the bottom line is they're not good enough because I think we've shown that if, if they are good enough, you will get a game. But bottom line is these guys haven't been good enough so I would need to be delving deep on that but like you say that's another podcast but one that I would be definitely tuning in to, mm-hmm. to hear um, Gavin Evening Mucker how are we doing? 
Um, said I dare say a VAR showed the early promise that Doak exhibited the need of being off-ski before now or at least generating headlines in England. I agree with that. That's fair, um, yeah. Paul's in with his uh, puns again. Turnbull needs to take the game by the horns and try and milk it for all this <laughs> stuff. Uh, I've seen earlier as well, Paul, I was going to bring it up actually that um, uh, the wee community in, in, in the comments are, uh, as usual, you're all asking each other how you are and you said that you're, you're free of illness and lost a lot of weight. So well done, mate. I don't know what you've, you've been through, but congratulations and Glad to hear you're doing well. well. Um, 420's in to say he'll help. Evening. Um, a lot of chat about uh, Beck, this left back as well in the chat, which is a strange one. It's brilliant that we're looking for Champions League quality and now we're going to bring in a Liverpool Academy left back that people are wanting. So, uh, let's move on to the next uh, next topic, which uh, I've kind of titled Varsicle. And good mm. old VAR uh, is back again. Although we're going to discuss it, Tony. Um, the, obviously the, the one in particular was the, the penalty shout early doors which uh, the manager was <laughs> made a brilliant statement afterwards where he says that uh, obviously he talked about it being offside and, and the, the fourth official told him the protocol was they need to check if it's a penalty first before seeing it's offside which was ridiculous and then the old nod where it's as we know uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously a nod back to the to the derby game but um, touch on that, but also there was obviously like four offside uh, yeah. goals chopped off as well. Did, did, but did you think they got any of them wrong? Um, the the, the Greg Taylor one, but uh, uh, even see um, Michael Stewart was saying it in the commentary. You know, that's when I then I went and pulled myself a pint, Wally. So um, that was <laughs> uh, I, I missed the kind of the sort of chat behind it. But Michael Stewart was adamant. It goes well when the ball's played, he's he's on side. So he thought it was an open and shut case. Um, but then, you know, some of the lines that they were kind of be starting to draw for them to to sort of justify it, it didn't, it didn't really ring well with me. The penalty one, I mean, it is a, a penalty kick. I don't think there's any question of that. But we were all of the opinion that, well, but, it, but it's offside. Um, funnily enough, I didn't see a, there was no kind of big media campaign this morning or on Clyde One or anything like that, demanding for audio to be released or anything like that. So <laughs> I can only assume it's only when it's one club that are spitting the dummy out that that happens. But um, no, I mean, it, it was a penalty, but it's offside. And anyone with a basic understanding of the game knows that that's the, that's the laws and um, it, it doesn't, it, it renders that um, null and valid. But um, yeah, um, the rest of them, I'm just trying to think, but like you say, there was that many of them. Um, my big brother joked at one point that we thought that we'd lost the signal um, because when one of the goals went in, it didn't just automatically go straight to the linesman with a flag up, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the the Greg Taylor one I felt should have should have stood. Um, I'm pretty sure Palmer had one as well. One I thought it was, it was pretty marginal, but probably right. But yeah, the the big one was just and, and again I, I go back to it. I'm not necessarily saying Scrappen Vars the answer either because our, our referees are so incompetent in any case. But I mean, having to check that everyone is just this lack of basic common sense. Everyone knows he's offside, so just go on. we don't have to go through protocols. We don't have to do that or, or just change the protocols because it's it's it doesn't make sense. I can get on board with a lot of things provided I can see the sense in it, but um, but that's not one of them. And you know, even like as Brendan, you know, was shaking his head when he was talking about it in the press conference as well. Just an absolute farce. Just we know he's offside. Everything else is regarded as null and void. Go kick and go on with the match. Um, rather than this long drawn out process that benefits nobody. Yeah, uh, everybody's in the chat. Uh, Maestro ninety five. Evening, mate. Thanks for joining us. He says I demand to release the audio. Um, yeah, I was in again saying I was looking forward to VAR, but now I hate it. Um, and James comes in and says, VAR is only as good as the people working it, and the people working it are idiots. Um, I think that's a statement that we can, well, most will agree with. But Anthony, what did you think? Obviously, the, the, the big main um, big main talking point of it was the penalty decision that the gaffer touched on afterwards. Um like Tony, I, I, I thought the Greg Taylor one, when they drew the red line, it sort of came out for his outstretched <laughs> elbow or his pinky or something. I thought yeah. that's a bit... Um, but what did you think about... Uh, did you think they got any of them wrong? Um, other than the Greg Taylor one, I think they probably eventually got them all spot on, to be fair. Um, reiterate the points that Anthony's saying as well, as we all were saying in the comments, we all believe. Why did that take so long? 
-hmm. We all know. And I'll tell you why it takes so long. We all know why it takes so long. They found an opportunity very quickly after the the derby game to prove a point to themselves mm -hmm. and to the wider Scottish audience that uh, this yeah. is the protocol. This is this is what we had to do. This mm -hmm. is what we did the last time. Look, we we know there's a foul, but we had to go. We had to confirm the foul, then go back and look at the previously. Shut the fuck up. It was a. <laughs> it was offside. Just just why why, we, why are we dicking around with it? You know, if you go to the, the shop and you hand them X amount of money to buy an item, but you give them the extra 50 pence to cover the change, you don't tell the cashier to work it back from £100 up to come back down to the right. Just fucking give me the change. Just get on with it. Um, the Greg Taylor one, I don't know where that was going, to be honest. Uh, the Greg Taylor one, I would love to see. I know it's in the, the video clip at the start, Willie, but I would love to see that image so that I can do my own zooming in sort of thing because you see it's his left arm yeah, is like out at an angle it, eh? and he seems to have taken it from his left yeah. arm elbow <laughs> slash hand yet at the same time the Bucky Thistle guy they've taken it from his feet while he's standing with his back to it so his arse <laughs> is actually further forward so they've taken That's it from fair. the most <laughs> extreme points from the wrong I would love to see it properly because that one needs to be looked at to see for sure because that one was was dubious as hell. Yeah, it, it, it almost reached the point that the the, the the penalty one was taking so long that it actually reached the. I think even Michael Stewart, everyone was starting to second guess themselves because they're going, "This is so clearly offside." So why is this take, like taking as long as, as it does to, to the point where you're starting to go, "Well, actually, is he offside?" You know, Could you everyone's just second guessing themselves. Um, it's it's really bizarre and. They say, you know, my thoughts on it, mate. It's killing the game slowly by a thousand cuts. Um, I can't stand it. It, it, it doesn't work for football uh, for me. I would disagree. Like, I don't see any. We, I don't see any way that that that's going to going to change anything soon. With all of these, and, and the thing is now that rather than talking about improving it and speeding the game up, they're now wanting to, as a FIFA, talking about bringing it in to contest um, things like corners and throw-ins and. You know, free kicks outside the box and things like that. It's just, it's the, the game's only going one way. Um, and sadly, it's not in the right direction for me. So, there's something we need to keep in mind, though, guys. FIFA aren't watching Scottish football. Um, FIFA are looking at the Champions League, they're looking at the European Championships and the World Cups and stuff, where 90% of the time it actually works pretty well. La Liga implement this reasonably well, Bundesliga. Not flawless, but again, they're pretty satisfied from what I understand. The only people who seem to pick this thing up more than anybody else is ourselves and the English. <laughs> and in my mind, the English don't want to use VAR because they were late to the party and they know that they didn't invent the thing. So they've yeah. taken a few years <laughs> to try and prove a point that it's not the great tool that the Germans and the Spanish were claiming to be. And they took their time to get there. But we know what our situation is up here. There's too many refs who are far too subconsciously biased, shall we say, mm -hmm. that they and, and incompetent, more than anything else, incompetent, mm -hmm. that they can't use the technology properly. And FIFA's not paying attention to Scottish football. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the rest of the world and saying, right, it does work in Brazil, it does work in Spain. We're getting there. Let's introduce it to other things. They're not looking at Scottish football and going, ah, these guys don't know what an offside rule is yet. Maybe we should hold back and use. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's strange. But, um, Stephen Murdoch's in, said evening all. A name I keep seeing popping up recently. Thanks for joining us again. Um, Jed says that we should demand a public inquiry into all the offside goals yesterday. That would be absolutely, I know that's tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> that would be the best thing I've ever seen or heard in my life if we did that. Um, AL says you cannot be offside as a part of your body you can't score with. Yep, that's uh, mm -hmm. I think that a point that we've all been in agreement with, where the line's kind of been drawn from his, his elbow or or wherever else it is. Um, let me just go through some of these comments. He's onside. Alistair says he's onside because you can't score with your arm. Mm -hmm. Pam says hundred percent, but I don't know who to. So I'll just say she's agreed with both of you. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Murdoch says we all knew how bad we go in Scotland. Um, Alistair says we're getting the voice of reason, <laughs> and Jed says I'll say it for you: the majority of refs. 
<laughs> I don't even so, want to see the H more, <laughs> more, uh, more VAR controversy, and I'm pretty sure we'll be there'll be more in the future as well, unfortunately. But um, I'd like to uh, kind of just touch on. I know we've kind of just touched on that a wee bit at the start, but Bucky Thistle as well. Big, big respect, big props to them. The away support was absolutely magic. You know, there's a sort of um, little bit of, because we both wear the hoops, there's a bit of uh, respect straight away there. Uh, the fans, like I say, the fans were great, and the, and the team came, uh, Tony, and uh, they were there. They were there, and we were in a game. Uh, mm-hmm. Big props to them, aren't we? Uh, absolutely, and I think that's why I think I've got to applaud Celtic for you know treating it in the proper way, and you know not just flinging out you know eighty of the reserves or, or anything like that. They got. Real, a very strong team to, to play against. Um, so it made it like you know a proper proper cup tie occasion. You know the whole romance of the cup as we as we call it. You know, but in, in very commas. But it was um absolutely brilliant. And obviously the um the 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 Bucky Thistle manager. You know, kind of said that at the end as well that the full team. You know, they you know they done all the, the jersey swapping and um you know I think Brendan Rogers came in and you know spoke to them all after the game and stuff. It's just you know. Speaks volumes for the I mean, we all know he's a he's a class act and yeah just a a, a really good day and um, the, the the fact that, as well that you always know that they're going to get a, that that'll help them with you know financial issues and that for the for the next wee while so that's that is what the, the Scottish Cup in these rounds is is all about and uh, yeah terrific day all round yeah absolutely anything anything to I know you've already touched on the big respect for for Bucky for coming and giving it a go but anything else to add on that the way support I mean obviously um, Graham Stewart afterwards says that uh, Brendan was a class act for going in into the changing room and kind of speaking to all the players individually and you've seen like I know Joe Hart does this every game but you've seen him going up to the opposing keeper and and uh, sort of spending time with him as well uh, like, like Tony said that's what the Scottish Cup's all about yeah, definitely. Um, you you don't want to come across as patronising to the the smaller clubs and such, but see when you see guys like Joe Hart going up and getting a wee chat to them, swapping the jerseys, Rogers goes into the so long as it comes across respectful and honest, then it's absolutely brilliant touches to see. And I think that's exactly how Bucky Thistle took it. Um, I heard somebody in the commentary say something I don't know how true it is. But the money that Bucky Thistle would have got for that game yesterday was the equivalent of two seasons worth of finances. Wow! So that sure that would have set them up for for a brilliant time. And see if most of the players, are, there's a strong connection from what I understand with the the history of the two clubs. I think they were formed a year after us, and we donated shirts to them, and that's how they get the all right, the, okay, kind of cars and strips. If that's all true, and there is a strong connection between the clubs, that I say strong, a loose connection between the clubs in that sense. Kind of assume that they probably have a soft spot for Celtic in the first place, anyway. And if so, so many of their players you would imagine would have been absolutely made up to have guys like Joe Hart come and tell you, yeah, you played the game well, sort of thing. Because that keeper actually had made two great saves yesterday at yep. some point, um, touching the ball over the bar and stuff. And that, I say that's a romance of the cup, that's what you want to see. It's even better for them if they could have got a result out of it, but thankfully they didn't. Um, but it's what you want to see, and hopefully, hopefully they go away with stories to tell the grandkids and all that malarkey. Because when else are they going to get that opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in a weird way, I was in I was in the pub with Ross watching it actually. And when when the boy went clean through and Joe Hart made that good save, I was actually like, he kind of wanted the boy to score that there, because so that he can tell his <laughs> grandkids I, I scored at Celtic Park. But yeah, big props, big respect to Bucky Thistle, who of course. Are named after uh, Buckfast Tonic Wine, as Stephen uh, told us all last week. Um, so, uh, well in, well in the bucket. Yeah. So, um, the draw, the draw was made. I, I was, I don't. Why was the draw not made right after the game? By the way, why are we having to wait to oh. quarter past eight at night for this draw in sports scene, just so we can all watch the highlights again? But I think they were just I, trying to inject some life into Christian Daly. You know, <laughs> my was like death warmed up doing that draw, wasn't he? I thought it, I thought it was Murray Doc for Back to the Future when I first turned it on. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, but, uh, Tony, fifth round draw. Uh, what did you make it? Obviously, we've got a trip to Paisley, St Myrna away. Probably one of the tougher draws uh, out there that was left. Uh, what's your thoughts? I obviously we drew them. Same time last year, um, fifth round. Obviously, we had the, it was a home tie, 
um, last year, but I'd settle for a similar uh, scoreline. I, I I totally agree, mate. We obviously avoided you know your time castles, Easter Roads, Pataudry, but other than that, you know, you know St Mirren, the way that Stephen Robinson's got them playing the now, um, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a tough game, and you know the their their fans will be will be right up for it, you know, because. You know, you, through this next round, you've just got one more tie before you're in the, the Hamden phase sort of thing. Um, but yeah, hopefully, but then again, we'll have a couple of players back and we can, you know, do there and hopefully get the, the job done and naming the hat for, for the next round. But a, tr- a tricky tie. It, it could have been worse, could have been better. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree as well. It should have been done straight after the show. There was no need to have it on sports scene two, three hours later, um, whatever it was. Um, far better to do it. On the day with Rod Stewart after a few a few babies, <laughs> that's that's a proper guy for uh, for uh, doing a job. Best thing I've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> Superb. Uh, Anthony, what's your your thoughts on the draw? Is it a potential banana skin, one of the tougher ones? It is potential. Um, Saint Martin obviously started the season quite strong. And well, um, it shouldn't be a defeat. We should be going in there as favourites and confident enough. It'll be interesting seeing Quan. Um, I presume we'll allow him to play if he's fit and able to play for St. Byrne. Um, it'll be an interesting game, but I don't have any real big qualms about it. I don't have any doubts or worries, and I don't mean to be overly confident, but you know, if it was traditionally an Aberdeen that we got, that would be a bit more concerned. But it's a St. Byrne, and maybe there is a little bit of disrespect there, a bit of naivety, but you should be going to that game and, and going up with uh, all three points or <laughs> going into the, the next round as such. Uh, yeah, I agree, mate. I, I mean, they obviously had a very good start to the season. They, they obviously got a good result against us there in the league last year, but I think um, I think the team that were, were ploughing on at the start of the season for St Man are a different team to what they are now, and I think we're also a different team to what we are at the start of the season as well. But uh, it's interesting when we go on. Apparently, he's. I know it's early doors, but uh, Stephen Robinson saying he's been he, he's been excellent since he's came in, and I know he got. I think he got man of the match at the weekend there for them. So it'll be interesting if they do uh, play him. Uh, just going to the comments again. Jed says it'll be a tough game against St. Man, but I fancy us to go through. Um, Ahar says that surely the Quan can't play against us. Um, yeah. Interesting one. I know when I was watching the game, I was watching the draw anyway. I was thinking, I'll oh, go and just pull out fifteen and six together because I want mm-hmm. another. I, did, I was thinking that's what was happening. <laughs> uh, one point, we kept. We were getting uh, further and further down the list. I was like, oh yes, come on, come on, another day out because uh, I fancy us <laughs> against them as well. But it wasn't to be. Uh, maybe in the next round, if we both get through, they've obviously got um, a fairly uh, easy draw. Uh, but hopefully, we can see them further on. Down the line. Just, just seeing yep. there, well, a couple of comments talking about Quarney. Yep. Saying that Quan won't be able to play. I wouldn't be so sure. I don't know for fact or anything, but I do know that UEFA don't have that rule for their, their competitions. It's normally if two teams come against each other in European competitions, it's between the clubs if they decide yeah. a player can't play. UEFA do not have that rule. I don't imagine Scottish football's that smart to have basically reject rules. We usually just copy the English for, for rules and competitions and stuff because we're too lazy to do anything. So I don't imagine there's a rule that will physically stop them unless Celtic have said not to. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm I not privy to that, but I I think it is an agreement and play it when the loan or whatever, when the, the contract... Uh... In the first place, I think the agreement's taking place there. From a uh, football manager experience, anyway, I think there's a clause you can you can pick whether it's they can play or not play. So I don't know. It's it's as <laughs> I think football managers as real as it gets. So they're even using stats for football manager on Sky Sports and everything. There. So um, here, Jed's came in and just says that that's a national rule, not a UEFA rule. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, interesting. But thanks very much, boys, for that tonight. Really enjoyed that. Good. I'm so I'm so happy Celtic are back. Um, just coming up. Uh, if you're not uh, part of all our socials, we're on everything. I know everything's getting updated at the at the moment, uh, so you might see a few things coming out. But we're now going to be doing three podcasts a week. 
We are also on a Wednesday night. Uh, that's joining the, the usual Monday and Friday. So get us back here half half past eight every every podcast now. Join us on Wednesday. I'll not give too much away on what what the idea is for a Wednesday night. I'll let the guys do that this Wednesday. But um, join them in. There's uh, since since the guys for Jungle Gems and Jed have came on board. That's been uh, it's been superb. Uh, a nice wee boost for the podcast and. Uh, there's a bit of a buzz about the place again, as much like the team, uh, aligning with the team. Uh, glad to see Celtic back. So they guys will be on on uh, Wednesday and then back again Friday. Like I said, all the socials get involved. I think they're pretty much all the handles are endless else. There's the TikTok where we've got the, the clips that uh, that have been going up. There'll be much more of that going up as well. So yeah, get involved, subscribe, like it like Pam says. Really appreciate all the support. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to the two Anthony's for joining me tonight. Um and hail hail. We'll see you Wednesday. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.